in the five-year period from 2015 to 2020, there was a 10,000% increase in the number of girls who were getting what they call a, a medical transition, who are taking these hormones and being prepared for surgical mutilation. Hey everybody, welcome to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. Well, thank you for joining us today. I am here. My name is Amber Archer, and I'm here with my husband, Mark Archer. Here, present, and accounted for. Present and accounted for. That's always good. So if you are new to the show, welcome. We're a husband and wife filmmaking team and founders of the filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. We're on a mission to educate, motivate, and inspire others to get involved in their local communities to defend biblical principles and values. And right now, we're working on our new documentary film titled The Mind Polluters. It is a deep dive into all things comprehensive sex ed education education in general social emotional learning mm. it's Laws. a quagmire <laughs> whoa it's, the story continues to grow as we go along and research more and i'm excited to bring back alex newman who we have had um on two other previous episodes. If you've missed those, you can check those out at fearlessfeatures.org and catch up on, go through all the ar archives and catch up on what's been going on. But give people an update on the repealing of obscenity exemptions. So as we're recording this uh, in Indiana, which is where we've been following at the closest, obviously, because we're in Indiana, it passed out of committee narrowly. And it will now go to the Senate floor. So uh, that will be in the next couple of days. We mm -hmm. will hear uh, it has to pass a second and a third reading. And um, if it survives that, then it will be the midterm of the session, the legislative session, and then all the bills flip to the opposite house. Mm -hmm. So then it will have to go through this process again on House of Representatives side. Right. Now, we did find out that this is also being pushed forward in several other states, um, states where this where obscenity exemptions uh, are being attempted to be overturned. Um, Nebraska, Iowa, here in Indiana, Missouri, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Ohio, Tennessee and Texas. And I know that Nebraska, uh, as we're recording this, it is going to be introduced in committee later this week. Texas, I believe it was already shot down in committee. Mm. The rest of these states, I'm not sure the status on those, but yeah. that is where we're at right now. We'll be looking into those. So if you're just joining us and you're not sure what we're talking about with the obscenity exemptions in over half of the states in the United States, in the state law, is written in exemptions for schools and public libraries where something that would be considered obscene and illegal to uh, distribute or exhibit to children outside of a school uh, and basically anywhere in public life where this something like this would be illegal they're exempted inside the classrooms and inside the public libraries insane Absolutely insane. And these things were put in place decades ago. And, you know, there's a whole generation now that has no idea that these loopholes are in place. Mm -hmm. What we have found as we've been working on this film is when we tell people about this, there's first... A, people a, are aghast. They're aghast. They, there's <laughs> disbelief. Yeah. And then when you show them and you prove it to them, because it doesn't take long, I can show you the code. And, and show you what is being put into the classrooms. And then people are 
mad. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so. And you should be. This has been going on. And now the reason that this is so poignant now is because the the left has just mashed the accelerator on this mm -hmm. nonsense. And they're just ramming this stuff through. And, and they our kids are the target. And our kids are suffering the consequences. Yeah. So that is why we're making the mind polluters. Mm -hmm. We have to protect our kids. All right. So with that, let's bring back. Alex Newman. He's an award-winning international journalist, educator, author, and consultant. And um, he's well-known to readers of The New American, where he writes regularly and serves as the magazine's foreign correspondent. He also contributes to numerous newspapers and magazines, including The, the Epoch Times, WND, The Gainesville Sun, Liberty Magazine, Crisis Magazine, The Diplomat Magazine, and many others. So let's pick up where we left off. Is it is it worth... The, is it worth the battle for parents to get involved? You can't. You can't fix. You can't fix a system. You can't. I mean, I, you can't fix something that's working perfectly. It'd be like taking your car into the mechanic and saying, "Hey, fix it for me." It's working perfectly. What do you mean? Just give me more money and I'll fix it for you. Right? I mean, it's doing exactly what it was designed to do. Uh, the fruit that it's producing is poison because it came from a tree that is poison that came from a seed that was poison, right? Robert Owen and Horace Mann and John Dewey. This was the plan all along that the only solution is to rip the tree out of the ground, throw it in the fire and burn it and start from scratch. Uh, and, and I think starting from scratch needs to begin in the family and it needs to begin in the churches. We never should have allowed government to get involved in the education of our children. I mean, we wouldn't want the government running our grocery stores, right? That would be crazy. The grocery stores work great because they have to satisfy the needs and wants of consumers. Why on earth, if we wouldn't trust them to run a grocery store, why on earth would we trust them to shape the minds of the entire next generation? It's simply crazy if you stop and think about it. So, you know, I, I tell parents, I, there's nothing wrong with trying to get involved. Um, you know, I've, I've helped get people elected to school boards. I, I've advised people who are in the system. Uh, one of our board members for, for Public School Exit, our new ministry, um, she was the superintendent of public instruction for the state of Arizona. She served there four years and she went into this thinking, I'm going to reform the system. I'm going to get rid of Common Core. I'm, I'm going to change this and we're going to make it better. And after four years, <laughs> You can't do it. It's not possible. It's doing precisely what it was supposed to. So if you want to run for school board, you know, I'm not going to tell you not to. I'll tell you you have better results banging your head against a brick wall um, and, and it'll be less painful. But, you know, it's it's I think it's hopeless. I, I think the only solution is for parents to get their children out of the school. And, and I know the, the argument. Well, we're never going to get all parents to get their children out of school. We're, ne we're not even going to get a majority. At this point, I wouldn't be so sure. Uh, the tide has really started shifting. Um, when I started sounding the alarm and urging parents to get their children out of public school years ago, uh, that was a really fringe idea. I mean, I, I was on uh, Phyllis Schlafly's program, and God bless her, Phyllis Schlafly was amazing, and she saw all these same problems. Uh, and, and even she wasn't ready to take that leap, even though she she saw all of this. Even she wasn't ready to say, parents, get your kids out. Um but now you fast forward to today, we've got Rush Limbaugh, the largest talk show host in America, reaches almost 20 million people every day, has said repeatedly over the last year, parents, you must get your children out of the public school system. We've got Franklin Graham, uh, probably the most um, influential evangelical leader in the United States today. Uh, it was on the Todd Starnes show. It was asked about the uh, New Jersey public schools that had just adopted a new mandate to teach LGBT 
dogma to all the children. I said, parents, you've got to get your children out of the public schools. Um, President Trump, right, in, in, uh, in a State of the Union speech in 2020, said we got to protect our children from the failing government schools. Um, during his uh, Independence Day speech, 2020, uh, in front of Mount Rushmore, he said the reason for the violent mayhem in our streets is the indoctrination, the bias in the public education system. So it went from being a fringe issue to being right smack in the mainstream. And I think there are still parents who, um, you know, I think they're willingly ignorant because um, you almost have to try not to see this. You have to deliberately look away from your children's textbooks. You have to deliberately look away from the computer screen when your children are home because of COVID to, to avoid seeing what's going on there. But I think the tide is changing. In fact, just to, it was today, uh, the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, one of the most influential pro-family groups in America, sent out a, a thing. Uh, they interviewed uh, Joy Pullman the editor of The Federalist. And they both said, you've got to get your children out of the public schools. So at least in conservative and Christian circles, uh, I think it is now mainstream to say you've got to get your children out. Uh, but frankly, I, I'm, I think more liberals need to understand this too, because even liberals, you know, they, they don't want their children to be illiterate. They want their children to know math. They want their children to be able to think. They want their children to learn the scientific method. And yet they're starting to realize if you put them in a government school, they're not going to get those things. So I think this needs to be a national movement. You can't reform the system. It, it's hopeless. We just got to abandon it. Uh, we need a, a Dunkirk operation. Every resource in our society, every resource in our churches needs to be put at the disposal of this rescue mission. And we need to do it now. Do you know much about the surveys um, and the data collection? The federal government and the state governments and the local governments have been compiling more data on your children than you could possibly imagine. And the data collection is problematic in many ways, and that's, that's its own issue. In fact, the Department of Education, I've got their report, they told us years ago, one of the reasons they were collecting all this data was to feed it into their algorithms, and they said they were going to be able to predict the future behavior and the future interests of our children. This, this was published years ago in U.S. Department of Education reports. So that is creepy enough. I mean, talk about Big Brother. You're going to predict the future interests of my children. And there's the corollary to that. Well, we're going to know what job they're going to need in the future. We're, we're talking about Big Brother central planning on steroids. There's also a, a very subversive element to the, to the surveys and the testing that I think uh, leads children to very dangerous conclusions. So they ask on the survey, um, you know, what is your gender? Male, female, uh, something else, non-binary, whatever. And so children automatically just subconsciously think, well, I guess it's normal to not identify as, a, as my own gender, but I could just be whatever I want. And so how often do you have sex? Um, you know, and these are given to 12-year-old, 15-year-old kids, right? Uh, and then the, the kids see, ooh, zero, one, two, more than 50. Hmm, okay. So I guess, I guess other kids in my class are doing that. Um, and, and some of them are really intrusive too. Like, how does your dad talk to your mom? Like, what business of the government is it? How my dad talks to my mom? Or what kind of food do you have in the refrigerator? Does anybody in your house drink? And so they're building this comprehensive picture of our families, of our children, of our value systems. And then part of it then is, is aimed at shifting those, right? So not just through the surveys, but then they get a better picture. Well, well here we have a district where all these kids are conservative and they're Christian and they're not sleeping with everybody. And you know, what do we do about that? Well, we need more uh, you know, training programs. We need uh, professional development for the teachers to teach them how to teach this stuff. Um, and, and that's literally what's going on. It's sickening, it's horrifying, but it's happening on an industrial scale. 
And it's happening in every district in this country. You know, there's a huge, I, I did a, a national tour in 2019. I traveled across the entire country. Uh, I gave speeches in I think 42 states. And there, as I traveled through some of the more conservative states, you know, Nebraska and, and, and Missouri and South Carolina, there's this incredible naivete among parents. Well, yeah, you know, they do that in California and New York and Illinois, but that doesn't happen in, in Kansas. Well, it does happen in Kansas. Um, I was in, in Utah uh, in March of 2020. And I had, I had an opportunity to meet with uh, most of the state school board uh, while I was there in the Capitol. It was wonderful people. Unfortunately, they're powerless to change it as well, even though they'd like to. And one of the things they gave me was the data on transgenderism. Uh, they gave me data from, I forget what they call it, the Department of Licensing and Professional Regulation or something. Uh, but it was the data on prescriptions for children, for these hormones and things to become transgender. And what the data showed was that in the five-year period from 2015 to 2020, there was a 10,000% increase in the number of girls who were getting what they call a, a medical transition where they, and of course you can't transit, you can't become a new gender. Every cell in your body testifies to the fact that you're either male or female, but who are taking these hormones and being prepared for surgical mutilation, breast removal, uh, genital removal, genital uh, disfiguration. 10,000% in Utah, one of the most conservative states in the union. And, and you ask a, a normal parent in Utah, what, what would you say if I told you that they're teaching transgenderism to your children? Oh, they would never do that. This is not California. Don't be ridiculous. And yet it's there. It's there. And so I think these parents in the conservative states are, are at even greater risk because conservatives in California know the filth that's taking place in the schools, but conservative parents in Utah have no idea. Okay, let's take a quick time out. What Alex is talking about, we see this in the news all the time. And I just read an article that I thought was so spot on to when we when we think about like the abortion business as we were doing Inwood Drive. Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about, you know, the mind polluters and, and getting these kids to think differently of themselves and emotions. And so now you've got Planned Parenthood, who is the largest abortion provider in the United States. Well, in 2015, there's a new article from the Freedom Project Media that came out, and, and I'll put, leave a link to this in the show notes. It says, in 2015, Planned Parenthood began offering hormone replacement therapy, which is incredibly expensive, and found a way to get taxpayers to cover it. They built insurance companies and placed confused teenagers on Medicaid. All this with a simple signature on a consent form. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and Planned Parenthood has found another lucrative, quote, service, which comes at the expense of children's lives. So there was a whistleblower staffer from Planned Parenthood, and it says, according to a former staffer, no doctors were present to evaluate the girls at Planned Parenthood, and the children were not always accompanied by a parent. Okay. Red flag. How many of us think that that's okay? Well, and goes back to the conversation that we had with Rhonda and Jennifer when mm -hmm. they were talking about Planned Parenthoods being placed inside of the schools. And the health clinics and being the built health clinics. next to, yes. right adjacent to high schools mm -hmm. now. This is, this is the new business model. And in fact, we've got video that's, that we're going to include in the mind polluters from the CDC showing their new school model and oh. it includes health clinic oh, yeah. everything so kids don't have to they, you know we'll just take care of it here and you don't even have to tell your mom and dad mm -hmm. we'll just send them the bill 
Exactly. So Jim Sedlick of American Life League, he reminds us that Planned Parenthood is and always has been a population control organization. And he says, and, and, and I quote, the more females you can get to think that they're males, the better off you are in achieving population control. As soon as they sign the form, Planned Parenthood can't be responsible for anything. It is the young girl who is responsible. And so Planned Parenthood is off the hook legally. They're getting tons and tons of money. And our children, especially our high school children, are under attack. I mean, it's happening everywhere. And it's it's right in it's right in plain sight. And yeah, nobody's saying anything. It's, yeah, it's we were talking about this earlier. I'm I am sick to death of hearing about the silent majority. The reason why we have all these problems is because the silent majority has remained silent. Yeah. We have got to stop being silent and you have got to speak up. Mm-hmm. We have to say something. Together. It, together. It is amazing what happens when you show up, even one person shows up and gets in their face and says, no, not here, not with my child. You're not mm-hmm. doing this. Mm-hmm. They're terrified of parents because mm-hmm. they know that we have all of the legal authority. And what did Monica say in an earlier podcast? Parents are a barrier to service. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to our next section with Alex. So the next section with Alex, this is where it gets a little bit creepy because we're going to talk about a woman by the name of Alice Bailey. And <laughs> you guys this, are going to love this, this one. link to this organization called the Fetzer Institute. We'll leave a link for you. And I, I had to look up. Two things. Uh, so the Fetzer Institute and leads you to the Lucius Trust, right? Which, Which formerly known as the Lucifer, Lucifer Publishing Company, <laughs> Alice Bailey's organization. Um, I, I just I was clicking around and I found this. <laughs> Do you remember that episode of Sesame Street where is it Telly who? Wait, but uh, I I'm sorry, I can't watch Sesame Street. It's offensive. Well, no, that's the Muppets. Oh, the Muppets are offensive oh, now. They need disclaimers. It. Oh, I thought it was Sesame Street. No, Sesame Street is very woke these days. But there was an episode <laughs> of Sesame Street where uh, Telly was he he was part of the Triangle Lovers Club. Oh, right, yes. and they all wear triangles on their <laughs> yes, head. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Well, so this is what it reminds me of. If you go to Lucius LuciusTrust.org, and I have to link to this. Triangles, a planetary network of light and goodwill. You ready for this? Sounds good. Triangles is a service activity using the power of thought and of prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. Wait, are we, we're just talking about triangles? No, don't get ahead of me now. You have to, you have to, you have to understand it all in its entirely. Okay. (laughs) Three people agree to link in thought each day. Okay, this is serious stuff. Using the Great Invocation. I'm not sure what that is. Oh, here it is. The Great Invocation, a world prayer. They visualize energies of light and goodwill circulating through the three focal points of their triangle. And pouring out through the network of triangles surrounding the planet. Why are you telling this? Why are you telling me this again? What is this for? Because this is this is good stuff. Participants imagine the hearts and minds of the human family being irradiated with light and goodwill, strengthening all that is good and true and of beauty in the world. This is how nutso bonkers these people are. And this is this is who these people are. Okay. That all of this world 
education standards. This all comes out of this nonsense. Okay. Okay. So you ready for more with Alex and Alice Bailey? Yes. And here we go. So one of the key people that you need to understand to understand what's really happening in the education system is Alice Bailey. And this is a name that to most Americans is completely unfamiliar, but it's a really, really important figure in where we came from and where we're going. And I'll give you two of the obvious connections. So we've talked a little bit about social and emotional learning. Now, if you go to Castle's website, Castle is the Collaborative for Academic and Social Emotional Learning, I believe it's the, the premier SEL organization. They'll actually tell you on their website, at least they did the last time I was there, they've got a history tab. You go to the history tab and they'll tell you that the idea for social emotional learning actually came up at the Fetzer Institute. And I had never heard of the Fetzer Institute. I was doing the, the investigation on this for the Epic Times. That's so why Fetzer Institute, that's interesting. Let's see where that leads. Look up the Fetzer Institute. Turns out it's this new age occult organization founded by a new age occultist uh, named Mr. Fetzer. And wealthy, wealthy guy, sports team owner and all the rest of it. So I start digging into Mr. Fetzer's background. Turns out he was a disciple of Alice Bailey. Now, Alice Bailey is um, a very interesting character. So the first thing to know about her is that she was an occultist. Uh, she was the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company. And that was the name of her publishing organization. It, it has since been renamed to the Lucius Trust, I think because the Lucifer Publishing Company was just a little bit too obvious. But so this woman who, who really, she was a disciple of Helena Blavatsky, another occultist, a Russian mystic. And, and the simplest way to understand their religion is just take the Bible and flip it totally upside down. So Lucifer, in their insane view of things, is actually the good guy. Uh, and, and God, Jehovah, is this mean, evil, oppressive being who had imprisoned Adam and Eve in the garden and was keeping them naked and in ignorance. And then this wonderful being, Lucifer, the light bringer, uh, came to liberate them from this oppressive God. And so he brought light and wisdom and encouraged them to rebel and eat the fruit so that they could have knowledge, so that they could have an understanding of good and evil. And so they, they really flipped the scripture upside down. God is the bad guy. Lucifer is the good guy. And you can imagine what consequences follow from this kind of inversion. Well, another thing Alice Bailey was big into, and this is not a secret. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't have to speculate here. She was very open about this. She was in constant communication with these spiritual entities that she referred to as ascended masters. Now, um, these ascended masters were... You know, in, in her view, these wonderful teacher beings that were going to take humanity to the next level. And so as, as, as she recounted it, they would take over her body and then they would write these books through her, using her body as the vehicle through which the books would be written. Uh, one of the books that, that is directly related to education was called um, Education in the New Age. And I encourage people to read a copy of this book if you want to know where this is going. Uh, she actually explains that world federalism, a world government, is the goal of this. We're going to bring it about through the education system. She says it's going to be brought about through uh, a fusion of Marxism and neo-scholasticism. But she doesn't say this. Her demons that, she, that were writing through her say this. Uh, and that they're going to use the methods of John Dewey to bring this all about. So fast forward uh, some decades, and uh, the United Nations, they, they've got a, a whole 
agency dedicated to education. It's called the UNESCO, the UN Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. And this was set up after World War II. Uh, the first guy who ran it, Julian Huxley, was the president of the Humanist Society, also, incidentally, the leader of the uh, Eugenics Society, the kooky, you know, Hitler ideas about some races better than other races and, you know, what nonsense. Um, and so, since this agency was set up, uh, it was very, a very clever deception. They were going to build peace into the minds of men. And, and if you disagree, then you hate peace and you love war, right? Uh, so they're a very, very clever marketing slogan. Uh, but what they set about doing is taking over education all over the world. So first it was every government on the planet needs to set up a government school system. Then it was every government on the planet needs their government school system to align with our international objectives. Then in 1990, they had this big meeting uh, in Jomtien in Thailand. They came up with the Education for All initiative. Every government on the planet signed on to this idea where education was going to transform the values of our children. All children would have to learn from the same standards and so on. Um, Ten years later, they came together in Dakar in, uh, in Senegal and had the next meeting where they just came out of the closet and just said it. We're going to use the school system to fundamentally transform the values, attitudes, behaviors, beliefs of your children. Uh, and, you know, it sounds so nice, superficial. Oh, we're going to promote gender equality. Well, when you know what they mean by gender equality, you realize this is destruction of the family, radical feminism, uh, get all the women into the workforce so that we can take all the children and start educating them at earlier and earlier ages. So they have a really serious agendas behind these nice terms. Human rights is another one. Sounds so nice on the surface, but you dig down a little bit and you read their Universal Declaration of Human Rights, you see that you have no rights. In fact, in Article 29, they say none of these rights and privileges may be used contrary to the purposes and principles of the United Nations. So you, you have to read through the UN doublespeak to understand what's going on, but they really were open about they want a global education system where all children would learn the same nonsense. And so they had uh, one of their operatives, his name was Robert Mueller, he was the uh, Assistant Secretary General of the United Nations, and he was tasked with creating the World Core Curriculum. Now, this World Core Curriculum, yeah, you can still read it on UNESCO's website. They've still got it posted there, and you can read what they say about it. They say this should be taught in every school on the planet. This is a direct quote from uh, Robert Mueller. And, uh, you know, he, he had been educated in Germany and in France. And uh, he, he said, you know, it's terrible that nations are teaching their own children to be nationalists and that leads to hatred and blah, blah, blah. So if we could just have a global education system where everybody learned this world core curriculum, uh, everything would work out great and we'd all be one happy civilization. Now, for Christians, this has really serious implications. Okay, uh, For one, this guy, Robert Mueller, believed that the United Nations, and these are his terms, was the body of Christ. Okay. Christians who've read their Bible know that the body of Christ is actually the church, not the United Nations, a collection of mass murderers and gangsters and tin pot dictators and uh, third world kleptocrats who steal their people's uh, savings. I mean, this is not the body of Christ. It's a horrifying thing to even say something like that. And yet that's what he said. And he wrote several books about his bizarre religious views and so on. But this World Core Curriculum, he, he put together the World Core Curriculum. He also put together a teacher's manual. It's called the Teacher's Manual for the World Core Curriculum. And right at the beginning, he admits in the foreword to the teacher's manual, it's signed by him, he admits it was him who wrote it. He says that this World Core Curriculum is based on the philosophy and the teachings of Alice Bailey and Juval Kool. Now, Juval Kool was the chief of these ascended masters. They, they, they call him a t the Tibetan. He's, of course, not Tibetan. He's not a human being. He's a, he's a demon to anybody who's read their Bible. 
And, um, and this Tibetan is the one who allegedly wrote the book through Alice Bailey on uh, the education in the new age. So you start to get this comprehensive picture of where all this is going. They are preparing the children of the world to accept this diabolical global system that they're building. Um, and, and once you start to connect the pieces, you see this in everything, all right? So, so Bill Gates, the man who put $2.3 billion of his own money into the creation of Common Core, he actually went over to UNESCO, to UNESCO's headquarters in 2004 and signed an agreement with them on behalf of Microsoft where they agreed, uh, Phyllis Schlafly got this agreement from Eagle Forum and posted it online, everybody can see it. Uh, and he signed it with his own hand where they agreed they were going to work on creating global standards, global syllabus, global curricula, global teacher training, global technology implementation. And then came Common Core uh, less than a decade after that. And I've got a commercial from the people who created Common Core. And they actually admit, they brag about this. They say Common Core is aligned with international standards. And so now children in Shanghai and in Paris and in Chicago and in Detroit will all be learning from the same standards. So that is the ultimate objective here. They are moving not just America, but the entire planet in the direction of a globalized education system that will usher in, they hope, this global system where biblical principles, biblical morality will be thrown out. And if you read the rest of Alice Bailey's books in context, you realize um, there's only one way to describe it. It is satanic. Um, she, she talks about the need to uh, eliminate what she calls the heresy of separateness. She's talking about uh, Christians who believe the Bible, that we should be holy, that we don't want to be uh, part of the world. You know, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Uh, that is what she's after, that and, and, and her demons. That's what they're after. Uh, they want to completely eliminate biblical Christianity. They view it as an impediment to the evolution of mankind. Because again, they view Satan, they view Lucifer as the good guy in this story. And when you realize that the world core curriculum that they want taught in every school on the planet was actually inspired by and based on the teachings of the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company, um, then you really get the whole picture of where this is going. Well, you guys, thank you for sticking around to the end. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us on Thursday where we pick back up on this conversation and Alex is going to bring us some more information. And as always, you can check out the website for any episodes that you may have missed. Just go to fearlessfeatures.org and you can find all of those there. Thank you. Have a wonderfully blessed day. Thank you.